Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I got him, Ballara. I just had dinner with the Obama, what did you do? Hop up on Twitter talking about the stuff you don't do. Rock off a lawn, shawty, cause that is what you gon' do. Sabiato, New Balance, some style. Third down and six, right up the gut. That is Gibson, and he is gone. Third of the ball game for the rookie Antonio Gibson. Farms at the farms, all you hear is oi. One time for BDR, we just try to see you out. I used to be with Nas, beating Murray City up. Why should you talk to one respect about it? Picked up, and Mullins fumbles the football. Washington has it back. Chase Young, they're chasing him down the sideline. And Chase Young has a Washington touchdown. I've been ungrateful, but thankful. I've been ungrateful, but thankful. Maybe I got it all too fast, too soon. Been living life, no feelings, no rules. And I've been trying to make it last, make it move. But I'ma hop in this point and act a fool. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Burgundy Network Podcast. This episode is brought to you by 500 Level. I'm proud to announce that the Burgundy Network Podcast has reached a long-term agreement with 500 Level who specializes in officially licensed t-shirts to help you rep your favorite teams and players like this one here for those watching on YouTube. And if you're just listening to the podcast, just imagine a very comfortable stylist t-shirt makes me go from a three to a solid six. Um, so I will take it, but joining me today, as always from the burgundy and gold reports, Adam Aniba. What's going on, Adam? Hey, how's it going guys? Doing good. I got Nate Coleman, AKA Nate, the great, that's a new nickname I just thought of this morning. Nate, how you doing, bud? That's that's really original. Hey, don't <laughs> don't sell yourself short there. You're a solid eight, buddy. And I don't care what anyone says. I appreciate it. Nasty Nate. And D Mac serving up pancakes from Miami, Ohio, offensive lineman. What's going on, Donovan? How we doing? I got the ring, like you mentioned last time. Well, there you go. That's all right. If you're listening to the podcast, you're missing out. You missed a shirt and a D1 championship ring. And Nate, which is always just a plus. <laughs> so today we are going to talk about some defensive players from the Senior Bowl. If you missed the last episode, we talked about the offense, which is obviously a big need for us. But if you watch the Super Bowl, the talk of the week was linebackers and how defense wins championships. So, Nate, would you agree that defense does, in fact, win championships? I mean, listen – you, you know what I'm going to say. It's a, uh, it's a uh, wide receivers man. win routes. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> you got, you got to have all three, uh, you know, sides of the field working together, but uh, I mean, it helps when you're balanced and you're good at everything. So yeah, obviously defense plays a big role. And for a team like us, I mean, Tampa Bay is the ultimate uh, blueprint in a lot of ways. Cause we can uh, build our way up to them. We just need a hall of fame quarterback that might be the goat. So Shoot, we might get Tom Brady next year. It's, he's the only one yeah. we haven't talked about, so we got to keep keep an eye on the Brady watch. <laughs> but last year we were the uh, San Francisco 49ers up and coming, and now we're trying to build like the Buccaneers. <laughs> so we're just going to copy everybody. Just If you got somebody, we want them. So today we're going to talk about some key guys that were at the Senior Bowl, and then we're going to wrap that up. And then I talked to Twitter, and everybody wants us to talk about linebackers, so that's pretty much where we're going to be heading after this. And we're going to hit on some linebackers um, they're at the Senior Bowl. A couple that you definitely need to keep an eye on. One in particular that I really like 
Um, but outside of the Senior Bowl, there's a lot of great options. We can find our Devin White that everybody wants, or uh, David, who is a free agent also, that everyone apparently thinks we're going to just magically get. He's just going to leave Tom Brady and all that cap space that Tampa Bay has. So we're going to break it down for y'all. I want to start out asking Adam, I'm asking you a question. Do you see Washington this offseason pulling a San Francisco and trading one of the D linemen like they did Buckner for a draft capital? We've been saying this since, since you know, we started being on the show together that I definitely could see that happen because when you have an abundance and then there's a need, I think there'll be offers. The question is, will the offers be low ball? And I think this is where we're going to see Mayhew and Herney really, you know, what are they going to be able to do? Because everyone talks about draft and evaluation, how the war room is going to be. But these are the kind of situations, this kind of offseason is going to determine, I think, how successful they can be in the short term because if they can pull off just you know a couple moves to really make this you know team better you know for instance you know move a matt ionitis or even a settle you know for something that's you know in the realm of a second third round pick which might be you know reaching for the stars a bit but those are the kind of moves that get you recognized and i know i'll say it before we talk about 49ers a team that i look at is the colts and i look what they did how they got to forrest buckner but one thing they did is after they had the before they had that piece, they had their middle linebacker in place. I know we're going to talk about linebackers, but Darius Leonard is the reason I got into small oh, yeah. squad. Top three, uh, top three linebacker in the league, probably. You know, like, and no you know, I was able to, you know, get a great Q and A with him, you know, a few years back. And you know, unbeknownst to me, within two years, after two years, <laughs> he was going to be an NFL prospect. Um, so it just shows that the, you can find middle linebackers in all places. But I think when you have established ones in the league right now, you got to make a run for them. <laughs> you know, you talk about, you know, is he going to leave Tampa Bay? But, you know, money talks. We've seen that. And, you know, being with Tom Brady is one thing, but that's a short-term thing. Being with Washington and with the ability to play with Chase Young, Montez, Sweated, some of these guys, you know, I think that Washington finally has something that's really appealing with the coaches and that defensive line that can attract free agents, especially oh, on the yeah. defense side. Yeah, when you have that D-line and you're a linebacker, you're, that makes right. your job so much easier. And right. then you have Del Rio, who you know worked with some great linebackers and just a defensive-minded coach. And then Ron Rivera, who was a linebacker himself, had Luke Keekley, one of the greats of our era. Um, so it's definitely intriguing. Obviously, you know you have to kind of weigh in, is he willing to leave Tampa Bay? And there's going to be a ton of free agents we'll talk about. But what did, what did the uh, San Francisco 49ers even get for Buckner? Do you remember? Was it a second? It was a first? I thought it was a first-round pick. So I mean, you have to really think about that. If that if that helps us trade up in the draft to get a top five well, he's uh, all, pick man. to get a quarterback, right? Do he's you trade a guy like Matt yeah, Ionis? It was, or? it was a win-win for both situations, both things because they yeah. got Ken Law and then they ended up getting him. So to me, it was a win-win. But Buckner, it was just a situation where they weren't going to be able to play both, pay both guys, and that's going to come to head for Washington one way or another with uh, Deron Payne, Allen, and Ionitis. So you know, it's going to be: Are you ahead it or are you behind it? Washington's continually been behind the ball. Like I said, let's hope they're ahead of it this time. Yeah, I mean, that's great draft capital and Buckner still balling, and Indianapolis had a great season. So just something to keep an eye on. But I was really thinking about that as I was looking at the D-line. Um, we talked about it, the draft class and the interior uh, D-linemen, specifically at the Senior Bowl, is pretty weak. Um, I feel like last year was a lot better. I will say the edge this year has some pretty solid players. It's really coming um, together as we get closer to the draft. So I want to start there first, talk about the edge. Um, you know, obviously we have Montez Sweat and Chase Young, but, you know, we don't know what's going on with Kerrigan. We might need that young piece. We saw us get uh, Jason Smith-Williams last year. We're all like, oh, another D lineman. Like, that's kind of surprising to us. Got some good amount of snaps this year. So you just don't know what's going to happen with Kerrigan. So to me, I was like, 
this might be an option for us in a later round. Obviously, we're not going to go first round, get another <laughs> edge rusher. Uh, I just don't see that happening, but you never know. Um, so for me, I'll start it. I, I really looked at the later round guys, and someone that stood out to me was actually from my old college at Coastal Carolina, Go Shants. Uh, Taron Jackson actually got to see him play a couple times in person and practice in person um, before the Senior Bowl. So I knew he was going to be one of those guys, but – once I saw him get the invite to Mobile, I was like, finally, you know, Coastal's on the map. A lot of players coming into the draft. But um, he's one of those developing guys. They said eventually they could see him as a starter uh, in the NFL, which was kind of surprising to me. But I was looking at some uh, draft network and obviously talking to Jordan Reed about him. And he had a great season, 18 sacks and 26 and a half tackle for losses in the last two seasons alone. So really been one of the monuments of that defense for Coastal, which, as we saw, tore up BYU. Um, so that was one of my guys. I know y'all probably had some, like, bigger names. So I'm kind of going off the board thinking smaller school guys or even later round guys. But, Nate, who was someone on the edge that stuck out to you? Yeah, I'd have to go with uh, Rashad Weaver from from Pittsburgh. I thought I thought he looked really good. I all it sounded like all three practices he was really strong at the point of the attack and he was just keeping a, a offensive lineman off of balance with that power move and then he'd switch it up and do some finessing and some bull rushing. So I, I thought he looked really good. Uh, the big thing with Washington is is depth. And when I think about depth, I always think about what happens if a starter goes down. Like what type of position are we in? I know that sounds really obvious, but I mean if you think about any of our positional groups besides de- interior defensive line, I mean man, you, you get really nervous, right? If, if you're talking about cornerback and what happens if Kendall Fuller goes down or what yeah. happens if Cam Curl goes down. And, and that's that's what I always am thinking about, especially on defense. Uh, so at Senior Bowl is a great opportunity to just look at these guys and and look for some depth. But uh, there, there's a, there was a lot of really good edge players I liked. And what was cool during the Senior Bowl is you got to see a lot of them um, switch to the interior. And part of the reason for that was they had to play in the interior because they didn't have a lot of interior defensive linemen to begin with. But on the other hand, for NFL teams, they want to see that versatility. They want to see you be able to go on the inside during nickel sub packages where you can rush from the inside and create some of those one-on-one mismatches that we like to see. So I I think it's good to show your versatility, be able to win on the inside and win on the outside. Yeah, Pittsburgh has a ton of dudes actually on the defensive side. Uh, Paris Ford is a guy that I've been watching since he went to Pitt. Um, But especially on the D-line alone, I think they had had two guys alone on the D-line. They had... Uh, Hamlin, who was like a hybrid player, play a little bit of linebacker, a little bit of sub package defender, but definitely someone to keep an eye on. I agree with you with the whole depth part, and that's what I really think why we drafted uh, Smith Williams last year. But still, like you said, you just never know when someone goes down what's going to happen. Donovan, who's someone that you were taking a look at? Yeah, I really like Quincy Roche out of the Yale. Um, I think he, I think he had a good, good week, um, especially in one-on-ones. You know, taking a look at those, showed some really good technique. I, I think he gets overshadowed not by play because Rousseau didn't play last season, just by the name. Um, we all know Gregory Rousseau is out of the U, and so I think part of that he gets overshadowed a little bit. But to Nate's point about depth, it's a great point because we all, I think, sometimes we forget Ryan Kerrigan is probably not going to be on this team next year. I mean, Ryan Anderson is probably not going to be on this team next year. I mean, those are two of your, you know, main backups on the edge that, you know. You have James, you know, you have James Williams, but outside of that, you might have to draft someone you know, in the late rounds to fill that kind of backup role. Yeah, Miami is actually cranking out a bunch of dudes too. Uh, Phillips was another guy, and like you say, Rousseau sat out. Um, but I was excited to see Roche because he transferred from was a Temple, mm-hmm. one of those guys that just transferred in. Kind of sucks that one of your best players sits out when you transfer in to try to win a national championship, but they're cranking out a bunch of dudes too. 
Um, but I know the biggest thing everyone wants to talk about right now is linebackers for sure. We watched Tampa Bay, like we said, in the Super Bowl. All these linebackers flying around, making Pat Mahomes look crazy. Offensive line obviously sucked. Um, so I want to take a look at a couple of guys, but the one that stood out to me was Baron Browning from Ohio State. To me, the way he measured in 6'3", 241, had a long wingspan, that's the kind of guy that we need. Obviously, you'll see me talking, Adam, too, about guys like Zayvon Collins and some of the top guys at a possible 19 pick. But for me, Barron is a guy in like the third round range where he could easily come in, be that coverage linebacker that we don't have right now, and possibly start right away. I mean, we, we thought we'd get something out of Thomas Davis last year, and he was terrible. I feel like we still don't have that will linebacker. And I saw someone today say, what about Ruben Foster? I'm not even <laughs> putting any weight into Ruben Foster. I don't see him. <laughs> even playing so if you if you actually consider him an option don't um we need more reliability than that so baron browning to me it was like that guy i was like you know you, you see this cute girl at the mall <laughs> you're out of town and you leave you're like man i'm probably never gonna see her again <laughs> i was like i pray one day i see baron Browning one more time at the draft going to washington um but he has great burst high football iq above average tackler um, like I said, I can see him as that will backer that we just don't have right now in our 4-3 defense. Um, possibly, you know, replacing KPL and Cole Holcomb at the other spots. But I feel like we need a will linebacker back. Every time we did get beat with the linebackers, it's in coverage, whether it's the slot receivers or tight ends. So that's a guy I think we should look at possibly in the third round if we don't go, you know, linebacker in the first round. Adam, who's the one you had an eye on? Um, well, I actually had him in my uh, pre-senior bowl write-up. Uh, interesting prospect, Chad Surratt out of uh, UNC. This guy was a former quarterback. Uh, first two years, he had injury issues. Mainly was to his hand. Uh, he had a torn ligament. So he actually, the new coaching staff came in. He convinced him to switch the linebacker. Man, first year, he was the top on the team. Leading tackler, I think he was second in the ACC. In two years, uh, we're talking about 91 solo tackles, 22 tackles for a loss, 12 and a half sacks, five passes defended, two forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries. This guy uh, is all <laughs> over the field. You know, you're talking about edge guys. I haven't really focused on edge guys, but this is a guy that they UNC had him line up at all three linebacker positions and rush off the edge. So I'm not focused on straight edge guys. I'm looking for more tweeners. That's the kind of uh, prospects I really focus on. I see Ron Rivera kind of shift in that direction. But <clears throat> Chaz Surratt, about six foot, six foot one and a half, 227, you know, get him up to around that 235, 240 range. Then you have a guy that can really play all over the field in um, Jack Del Rio's defense. But uh, Chaz Surratt, UNC, this guy, having that extra third-round pick this year for that William Strait, I think this is going to be a spot oh, where yeah. depending where they go early, they go linebacker early, they could go receiver at that, uh, you know, we're talking about Jalen Darden's, you know, guys like that in that third-round range. Or if they go the reverse receiver early, guys like Chaz Surratt and Browning, guys like you mentioned, will be in that, you know, that uh, day – early day two, three range. So, you know, this draft is just loaded with a lot of unknowns. So I think as evaluators, we kind of have to take stories sometimes, which is what I did before this uh, senior bowl, uh, looked at Chaz Surratt, looked at uh, Richie Anderson, uh, Richie Grant, excuse me, a couple other guys, and just really broke it down what I think fits in Washington. And I think these kind of tweener guys, that's exactly what Washington is missing at the positions. Cause I think on defense, they've got a lot of the core pieces a lot of those backups that can offer different things that we were hoping we would see can leave Hudson in that Viper role. I think there's guys in this draft can actually fill that in a better role than he is. So, um, again, yeah. just a lot of tweener guys that can offer, you know, a lot of different skill sets. So, Chaz Saras, a guy, uh, early guy, I like for that day three range. 
Yeah, we saw Hudson getting more of a role throughout the end of the yeah. season too, which I thought was you know something to to keep an eye on. But Nate, we need some help with the linebacker role. Who's the savior you're calling on? Yeah, well, I mean with linebacker, uh, you're talking about no depth guys. I mean they <laughs> they really just have like two guys. Right? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, so remember they're losing Bostic too, and and Kevin Pierre as well. And I thought like. When we talk about linebacker, if you if you read on Twitter, they make it seem like our linebacker play was like some of the worst in the league. And when you really go and look at the numbers, like honestly, it was like par, if not better. I mean, if you actually do look at the numbers, so maybe like the frontline starters aren't terrible, but you can obviously upgrade and depth no matter what is so imperative. Right. Um, so so a guy I really like, Josh, that you're probably very familiar with is, of course, my guy from uh, LSU, Jabril Cox. Now, Jabril mm-hmm. Cox is is a lot like Xavier Collins in a lot of ways. I know you yeah. love him, too. So he, he's kind of like a poor man, Xavier Collins. Right. So he's excellent. He can he can rush the passer. You know, he, he can do that. He can do it on the edge. I mean, he was he was disrupting offensive tackles all practice, all three practices. He was doing that. And th- those are like premier tackles, too. I mean, it was a really good class that went down there for the senior bowl. And then Cox is he's comfortable playing in space. He's instinctual. He's smart. Uh, and with linebacker, the first thing I look for is coverage. You have to be able to coverage. You, I'm not looking for thumpers like we used to like 10 years ago because it's a passing league. You, you you can't be a liability where the team is targeting you on third down on those critical down and distances. So so that's like imperative for me. So uh, Cox is comfortable playing anywhere on the field. Um, so I really like him. Another later round guy I guess I like is like Patty Fisher from Northwestern. Hey, what a- Name. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, man. The fighting Patty Reese Fisher. Davis. Yeah. So, so, so Patty Fisher, Northwestern was really good. People are talking about like, oh man, why did Justin Fields have such a bad game against Northwestern? Well, Northwestern has a top 20 defense. They're, they're excellent. Yeah. And uh, uh, Patty Fisher was a, a big reason for that. But he's a guy who could play like special teams and he's probably more of a project linebacker, but someone you can get like in the middle of day three that, you know, we obviously need some depth. So, so I know he's, he's maybe not the most sexy name, but he's someone I'm interested in. There's a guy named Riley Cole. That's as white as it gets. He oh. kind of played like uh, Sam. I mean, uh, uh, Holcomb does. South Alabama guy. I was like, all right, you know, this guy's like local. So like everyone's cheering for him. During the game, he had like six or seven tackles. He definitely led the game in tackles. He's good, bro. He's yeah, good. Like, he was a solid guy. Soon. He's a good one, man. I've been following so, him. He's awesome. Yeah, man. I really like him. Donovan, who's someone that you're thinking we should keep an eye on? Yeah, thinking towards the later rounds as well, you know, like Nate mentioned, Charles Snowden out of Virginia. He's got great length. (laughs) He's listed like true 6'6". It worries me a little bit playing in the box, you know, being that, you know, 6'6", kind of getting your leverage and everything in the run game. But he's the guy that um, I believe he broke his ankle uh, last season, so he he missed a lot of it, if not all of it. He was Uh, hurt at the senior bowl too. He didn't didn't do much there, but yeah. He's, he's a guy that can cover tight ends, which I think is something that we, you know, we kind of talked about Landon Collins kind of filling that role when he comes back is like, you know, that kind of spin down guy. But I really like Charles Snowden, like Nate mentioned, kind of a project though. I don't know if he'd come in and start day one, um, but he reminds me of what Josh Harvey Clemens should have been. Yeah. Right? Josh Harvey Clemens was 6'4", 6'5", kind of that lengthy, rangy linebacker um, yeah. hybrid role. And so I think Charles Snowden could, could fill in well here. Yeah, UVA cranks out some – Good linebackers too, like yeah. under the radar, some sure tacklers. I forgot who went out last year, but he was like top three or four in the league in tackles um, this season. But I would love Snowden, definitely someone to keep an eye on later on. Um, but let's talk about the DBs because I know Nate is just itching to talk about his guys. So, Nate, go ahead. Let's talk about money bags, Richie Rich. I'll <laughs> let you lead the way. 
Yeah. So, so going into, going into the senior bowl, uh, Richie Grant uh, out of UCF, he's a free safety, senior free safety. So he's played, he's played all four years. He was looked at as a, like a maybe day two, late day two pick. And then uh, going in the senior bowl. Now he's, he's a lock for a top 50 pick. He's probably the number two safety in the class after uh, Morig. And you could even say he's maybe number one, depending on who you talk to. But I know uh, Dane Brugler from the athletic is really high on him and rightfully so. I mean, the guy's getting multiple interceptions during practice. Uh, he's, he's the quarterback of the defense at UCF defense was pretty awesome because they also had uh, Aaron Robinson. Who's another top 50 type pick. Uh, and uh, he, I mean, he was the catalyst for everything there. Richie Grant was, I mean, he was calling all the plays. He was diagnosing the offense and he's seen it all. Cause he's been there for such a long time, but he said, and I talked about this before, but he's such a like cerebral player. Uh, he, he's making constant like in-game adjustments. And when I talk about in-game adjustments, that's huge. Cause that's something that Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera, you saw them do during the game. I mean, they're, they're constantly like nitpicking and changing things and adapting to what the offense is doing. And that's something like Richie Grant can help with. And he's, he's a true prototype, uh, like free safety too. We don't really have that on the roster right now. And he's, he's like the perfect match there. But I mean, if you're also talking about defensive back, I might as well talk about Aaron, Rob Aaron Robinson too. So the, Aaron Robinson was his teammate. He was actually a Josh, you might be kind of familiar with him because he was a recruit for Alabama. I don't know if he was a four star or a five star, but originally he was supposed to go to Alabama. So that gives you a glimpse into what type of talent he has, obviously. But yeah, so he went to uh, UCF. They had a coaching staff changeover changeover but originally he played nickelback for them and you ask like why did he play nickelback well in not their defense fan. i don't really well, like not the band, but... <laughs> yeah yeah but for for ucf he played nickelback originally and it was because for their defense the nickelback was the most important position and they right. usually had the best players playing in the slot so they would put aaron robinson there on purpose and that's really important because as a nickelback you guys know this uh you have to come up and make a lot more tackles because you're closer to the line of scrimmage uh, oh, and yeah. a lot of, a lot of times you're on the strong side too. So they, they run to that side a lot more. Um, so, so, but he's a physical player. And then on top of that, uh, he, he went back for a senior season, switched to the outside. And the reason he did that is so he could be a better draft pick. They want, he wanted to go back to college to work on being more vocal, being a better leader, interviewing, you know, he, he did all the little things to work on and then also playing up, playing on the outside and the inside makes him a more versatile draft pick. And I think he's secured a spot in the top 50 because he's so, he's so smart and competitive. He's kind of a quiet natured guy, but he's very smart and very, and he's another guy who likes to make in-game adjustments. He, he is constantly like doing that. If you watch him during games, like they'll from one series to the other, he, he, he'll pick up on what the offense is doing and make adjustments on the fly. And he has the athleticism to, to back it up. So Aaron Robinson, Richie Grant, two teammates from UCF that I'm big on. Well, it's funny you mentioned two teammates because uh, me and Adam kind of had two teammates too. And that's the, the trade Trey squared. We got Trey Norwood and Trey Brown, both two guys. Um, who made a lot of plays, uh, University of Oklahoma. I think Trey Brown had like three or four interceptions that week at practice. We talked about like how impressive it is getting interceptions on one-on-ones and you're getting, you know, you're supposed to get, it's where the wide receiver is supposed to look good pretty much um, through the drills, but Trey Brown was cut off everything. I know he's a smaller guy. Um, I know Adam has his measurements. He's like what, five, eight and a half, almost five nines, like pushing it. So small guy, like I was saying before this, I like my corners tall. Like I like my, DB is like 6'1", six, 6'2", six, kind of range. But still, if you are you have that instinct to just get to the ball, you're cutting dudes off, it doesn't matter how big you are. If you're anticipating their routes, getting there before they are, and just physically outworking them, and you're you know way smaller than they are, then you're winning in my book. Um, but the one guy I had 
was uh, from Florida State, Hamsa Nazaldine. Very hard name to say. <laughs> Adam has one that's even harder than mine, so I'm going to let him eat on that one. Um, but 6'3", 213, 82 and three-quarter wingspan. That is huge. <laughs> that is exactly what I want in the defense. damn pterodactyl. <laughs> that's the Devontae Smith of the defense. Um, but talk about versatile players. This A lot of players in this class – are you know versatile you can line them up if you look up their draft profiles it's like well you can you know line them up as like a true outside corner you can do sub package with them you can move them inside some can even play a free safety i know hamsa actually played some free safety a little bit that's something he does need to work on but still great hands fast physical athletic um has that downhill burst like when it is a run play he's going to get there quick he kind of reminds me of a cam curl just the way he you know, his instinct to get to the ball quick, sure tackler kind of guy, but I think he'd be a great compliment to curl. Um, he's not afraid of tight ends. Um, I, he did tear his ACL. That's something you mentioned, Nate, before we started recording back in 2019. And he still came back and played two games in 2020. He didn't have to. Like, what do you have to prove? Like, you're going to play two games. FSU had, like, what, six games canceled throughout the season. Like, it was a mess. This guy's coming back from ACL injuries. Like, you know what? Forget it. This is, like, my career. I'm going to go out here at ball regardless of who the coaches and stuff are. Two games, he had 13 tackles, five solo, one and a half tackles for loss, an interception, and a pass deflection. So to me, that's a guy that just wants to play. Passionate about the game, says, I don't care if I have a torn ACL, I'm coming back. Uh, definitely has a high ceiling with his uh, natural-born gifts. Like I said, I do want to see him get a little bit better um, when he does play like single high safety. Um, at times, he was a little lost, but just a great guy to – be a project, a third-round pick. I mean, we saw what we got out of Cam Curl in the seventh. So another third-round pick guy, like you said, we have two at him. We can use one for linebacker, use another one for a safety or a DB. Donovan, who's someone you are looking at in the backfield? Yeah, I'm working a little bit at Ambry Thomas out of Michigan. Um, he was a really highly rated recruit. Um, kind of took him a little while to get you know get going. Um, and, again, I'm born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, so I'm never going to miss an opportunity to – you know, uh, mess with Michigan a little bit, but you know, he's a talented guy who's got some really legit speed. Um, and I think he's about five eleven, maybe six foot somewhere in between there. So he's not kind of that lengthy, you know, six, two corner, like you were talking about, but he's a guy that could add a lot of speed to that backfield, which is never going to be, you know, a bad thing to add. Um, and I, so I think, you know, he's a guy you could look at, you know, kind of day three range, maybe he sneaks up, you know, into a, a late third round pick. If he, if he continues to have, you know, any kind of pro day, um, but he's a guy I've been looking at. Yeah, and that's some, someone I actually noticed there I haven't really looked too much into, so I'm glad you brought him up. Someone else I need to put on my list. But, Adam, you had a guy that we were both taking a look at from Syracuse. Talk a little bit about him. Uh, yeah, the name, excuse me if I get it wrong, Afide uh, <laughs> Um, Some people remember um, his brother, uh, Obi, his big brother, was actually uh, out of UConn. He's bounced around. He was with New England, I think, this past year. Um, but this prospect, he's the definition of a boomer bust. Um, I'm again, I keep getting drawn but to the tweeners. This one is just a shade under 6'3, 212, um, about an 80, almost an 81 inch wingspan. Um, hasn't only played in 23 games, but um, you know, he had 21 solo tackles, but you know, 19 passes defended. So he's a definition of a guy that you can develop. Uh, you know, he's worth taking that, you know, sixth, seventh round flyer on. 
Um, I don't know if he could be able to pack enough pounds to be that sub package kind of dime linebacker that, you know, I wrote about today that, you know, maybe Landon Collins can be, but I just like these guys. They don't have enough depth right now at any kind of DB or safety position. So when I keep coming across these late round guys, I just think the more the merrier, especially if they can get in the late round or undrafted because really Washington has not very much depth right now. Darby leaves. It's even, you know, less after that. So I like a guy, uh, Ifumaru Melofuanu. Uh, like I said, un- sixth, seventh round, undrafted perhaps. Uh, it's a guy that they could, you know, really get involved in early downs. And, you know, if they're going to go big package, he's a guy they can bring down the box. But, uh, again, definition of a boom or bust. But, again, the bloodline, let, let's see if he can do more than his brother did. Yeah, there's a lot of questions going into the offseason with, you know, safety. Obviously, with Jeremy Reeves, we saw some flashes with him. But the biggest thing is just consistently, like, can he do that in a 16-game season? We don't know. Like, what what can you expect out of Jeremy Reeves? Like, I mean, I know we got seventh round value out of Cam Crow, like, and he's balling. That's cool. But you can't expect that out of everybody. So, uh, to me, I think we definitely will go safety. We'll talk about some more guys um, that I like in the safety role later on as we get closer to the draft. Um, another corner that stood out to me was Keith Taylor Jr. from Washington. Another guy, 6'2", 191. That's perfect. That's exact size I want in my corner. Uh, played mostly outside. Uh, he played inside in the dime package. Just really lengthy. Uh, the build helps him with his coverage and his tackles, um, but he did his best work in the press. Um, sometimes got caught looking at the ball in the backfield um, in the bail technique, which is when you're playing, you know, pretty far off the wide receiver, just kind of had this eye candy of just looking into the backfield too much. But another guy, like I said, just size alone, you can work with them. Had a lot of great drills, was going up against top guys at the senior bowl. Um, on the one-on-ones, like I was talking about, like that's where I want to see like what kind of techniques you're using as a DB because – you don't have any help. It's just you and this wide receiver on the island, and he has free range wherever he can go. So Keith looked good in the practices, kept up with a lot of the guys, didn't really have any big plays that he let up um, that were noticeable to me. So any other corners, Nate, that you were keeping an eye on that were at the Senior Bowl? Hey, Josh, I got a good one for you. If you like if you like big, tall cornerbacks, how about Benjamin St. Juice from Minnesota? Six oh, foot yeah. three, 205 pounds. You're talking about, oh, Canada, oh, Canada, the – the top defensive back prospect from Canada. He was originally a Michigan uh, recruit. So I'm sure Donovan can like talk some trash on him, but uh, so, so St. Juice, he's interesting. He's kind of grabby. He's not very disciplined when you watch him play, but I I feel that a lot of that is, is coachable. Um, But what he does bring is like, you you can't teach that height and that size and that athleticism. And he also brings, and this is a key word. We keep talking about the senior bowl. He brings versatility, right? You talk about versatility so huge. You have defensive ends changing into interior defensive end. You have running backs changing into receivers. You have St. Juice who plays cornerback, but he also played safety during the senior bowl. So he played a little bit of both. And that's kind of intriguing because you you want a guy who can kind of play all over the field and find a place. Uh, So that's going to be big, but he's a guy who definitely uh, intrigues me a lot. Um, like I said, six foot three, 205 pounds is huge for a, a, a cornerback. I mean, that's a guy you can put on the boundary and, and uh, there's a lot of smaller receivers, especially in this draft class. So uh, I'm really interested in him. He's kind of fits that Richard Sherman mold a little bit. Yeah. And we're not going to talk bad about Michigan commits because Najee Harris was once a Michigan commit and obviously he made the better decision and his career turned out just fine. Uh, but Nate, you brought up one thing today that I wanted you to talk about a little bit. I actually didn't even tell you I was going to do this, but you're good at what you do, so I'm going to do it anyways. You talk about, you know, falling into this pit of, like, positionless players. 
how do you avoid getting a guy like a Sewell Cravens, who I hate even mentioning his name, um, into the defense? You know, talk about versatile, but how how does it become too much of you know versatility? You're not just really good at one thing; you're just good at a bunch of little things. You just kind of have to find your spot, like Simmons and uh, Reddick from uh, the Cardinals, who's obviously turned out well where they're sticking him. But you just have like these positionless players in the NFL. How do you not fall into that pit of just not having a true place to go? Yeah, it's all about mitigating risk. So you you want some positionless players, but you don't want too many because if they don't pan out, it's really hard to know what to do with them. So when I mean like positionless players, the reason it's hard with those guys is because you have to have a, a coaching staff that's open that has an open mind to build around their strengths and play them where they're best. And when uh, Isaiah Simmons went to Arizona at first, they just kept him as a middle linebacker. And it's really hard to do that, especially when you don't have OTAs, you don't have training camp, and you're just sitting in linebacker rooms all day. Like It's hard just to learn one position, let alone multiple positions at the same time. So you need to be – you want guys like that, but you don't want too many at the same time because it, it's, it increases that risk a lot. So it really just depends. Um, I mean, yeah, Sua Cravens is the ultimate example because it, it, it sounds a lot like uh, – jock to be honest so like jock is kind of a similar player he plays that hybrid safety role or the viper in, in in a lot of ways but he can rush the passer he can play against linebacker or against running backs and against tight ends but uh sometimes it's hard for those guys to just pick up pick up on a single position let alone multiple positions so you just have to be careful like i talked about yeah and i did make a list of some honorable mention guys and i, I wanted to save this at the end because it's going to kill me to give any kind of props to an auburn kid but KJ Britt was all over the field um, at the Senior Bowl. What I look for is the guys who people just, you know, immediately just turn to as like the, their guy. Like they just gravitate towards your personality. And there was a couple of guys on offense to me. It was uh, Darby from Arizona State, but on the defense, KJ Hill from Auburn. I mean, KJ Britt, not KJ Hill. KJ Britt from Auburn <laughs> killed it all week long. And I feel like we need like that kind of leadership we talk about needing like a, a leading linebacker, like a Luke Keekley. That would be nice, but just someone who's going to step up on the defense. Obviously we have chase young holding down the D line and those guys, but I'm looking for a guy to just step up in the linebacker core. And that was one guy that really stood out to me. Um, two guys that really had probably the worst week ever tough Borland. It was more like tough week because he, <laughs> he got bodied by Khalil Herbert. It's like Khalil Herbert saved up all of his wrestling bars and just hit him with a rock bottom on this one play where they were just doing running back blockings. And I was like, after that, just, just tag out, but just go home. You just yeah. got bodied by a running back on a Herbert block. took out all of his frustration from playing at KU all those years. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Now he looked terrible. And then Shaka Tony, that was another guy. I was like, all right, pass rush guy, you know, pretty good size. I want to see what this guy has. We talked about Quinn Miners. He literally put him in a washing machine one play, just spun him around like three times and then just shoved him on the ground. But that was all week long. I was really disappointed in those two guys. Um, but like my biggest like Debbie Downers of the week were Jamie Newman on offense and then uh, Shaka Tony and Tough Borland on, on defense. I mean, you have Devontae Smith burning you in the national championship game. This is like your redemption moment for tough Borland and then you just get body by running back instead, which is way worse. But that wraps up senior bowl talk. Um, obviously we have some more guys to talk about with free agency coming up and the draft. Like I said, we're going to talk linebackers next little, little sneak peek. My favorite guy is Zayvon Collins in the draft. Not going to talk too much about him. 
Nate, who's your favorite guy without giving away too much? Yeah, so so I'm not big on taking uh, in like off ball linebackers in round one. I just don't think it's uh, when you talk about all the defensive all positions. Right, so we're going uh, to add on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you just think, I know it sounds like stupid, but when you think about yeah, it logically, just if you if you stack it up, you you know you have your edge rushers, you have cornerback, you probably have interior defensive linemen or safety, and linebackers down at the bottom because their job is is to stop the run, which it's not a running league anymore. Now yeah. it doesn't mean they're not very important, but it also means they're they're easier to find replacements for. And this draft class is awesome. There's it's very deep. I mean, there's seven or eight linebackers that can start on day one for us. Uh, but that doesn't mean we want to settle for like, you know, se- seven or eight. So there, there's a few guys I like. Um, I guess if I had to nail it down to one, I really like everyone likes Nick Bolton. I mean, what else? You're going to say that. I was going to say yeah. Bolton. <laughs> but I, I think Bolton is going to go at the end of round one, and it would be a stretch for me to take him at pick 19. Oh, uh, I would yeah. be interested in a pick 19, potentially trading back, depending on what happens, depending on who's off the board. If you were to trade back to like, you know, 28, 29, and someone like Bolton is still there, then I wouldn't be complaining as much because you're still getting value. You're probably getting at least another day two pick and maybe a future day two pick, you know, later on down the road. But I mean, obviously, uh, uh, Surratt's a guy that, you know, Surratt has been linked to this team for like two years. It's kind of crazy. Um, I, I will say like we always just talk about the good things and Surratt is very smart. Uh, he has a nose for the ball. He's always around the ball, but I will say one thing I don't like, he misses a lot of tackles and he gets blown up a lot by offensive linemen. If you like, he's always around the ball, which is just perfect, but sometimes he'll just get blown up. You'll see it like when you watch him a little bit, but he's that's, there. But, it's not effective. Exactly. It's not always the case. I mean, he, he put up some huge stats like Adam was talking about, but like, if you could get him in round three, that's a great value. But I mean, there, there are so many good backers in this class that I'm not too worried about it. I under and free agency, man, like talk about some of the guys that you obviously Levante David, but uh, Milano is a guy I love from Buffalo. He's like the yeah. perfect coverage linebacker and he can, he, he can be the quarterback of your defense and he's probably going to get a market deal, but he's also dealt with some injuries kind of like Sheriff. So maybe, uh, you can get a little bit of a discount with him, but he's someone I, and, and he has a lot of connections with Ron Rivera too, because of McDermott coaching over there. So I, I could see that maybe working out as well. Yeah. I think we definitely upgrade the position. I think that's not a doubt at all. Donovan, who's one guy linebacker wise in the draft that you are just hoping lands in Washington. You know, I really like Baron Browning. I mean, there's a lot to be said about kind of the first round graded guys, but I'm with you, Josh. Baron Browning is yeah. a guy was overshadowed a little bit because of, you know, he played with Malik Harrison at Ohio State and Raekwon McMillan for a little bit, two guys that were, you know, studs at linebacker. And so I think he's a guy that, I mean, they lined him up on edge quite a lot at Ohio State. He's a guy that was a really highway recruit. I think he was the number one linebacker at his class, um, if not one of the top two or three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. McMillan almost did too. He did, but but Browning is a guy that I think is 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 pretty versatile, um, and he's big enough to play in the box, but he's athletic enough to be out in coverage. And I think he's a guy who could kind of sneakily be a you know long term you know upper tier kind of starter, um, not necessarily Pro Bowl caliber, but a guy that you're not gonna have to worry about. Yeah, I think there's a lot of options in the draft for like day one starters. Obviously, me and Adam are full on the Zaven Collins train. Like I I just I want that true, just nasty middle linebacker for us. I think he'd fit perfect. I I told Adam I'm so against what Matt Miller said moving him to the edge. 
I get it. He's 260. He's he's huge. He, he does a phenomenal job getting to the quarterback. But his ball skills are too good to just be – tell him to put his hand in the ground. Like, why take that away from him? I feel like he would be a great, true Mike linebacker in the 4-3. I don't care what anyone says. If he's there at 19, I feel like we should take it. Um, but to Nate's point, trading back, there's teams like New Orleans and New England who want to trade up and get Mac Jones if he's there. We can we can absolutely move back into the later twenties, mid twenties if we want to, and still get some you know great picks. I'm sure Nate has some wide receivers floating around in the mid twenty range for sure that he wants. Maybe we'll get both Surratts and Washington. That'd be nice. Oh. It's another guy. He, he kind of stood out to me a little bit this week, but I was kind of disappointed in him. I was like, Sage, like I, I wanted some more from you. you. Had a whole year off, bud. Like you should be fresh right now. <laughs> These routes is looking rusty, so. Gentlemen, if y'all want to go ahead and plug in your Twitters, Adam, we'll start with you, sir. I'll show you. You can find me at the Berg, uh, B, at the BNG Report, and my new site, again, is theburgundyandgoldreport.com. Uh, we have a section customized for draft for Washington fans. Um, took the inspiration of the football card idea. You go to our site. You go to the draft prospect section. You click on the card. Uh, you get all you need to know, eval, YouTube, everything is all there for you. Washington football news there. Come check us out, Burgundy, the Burgundy and GoToPort.com. Yep, checked it out. You got some cool guys that I was looking forward to coming up in the coming soon section for the prospects. Can't wait to see. Nate, plug yourself in, Mr. Jayhawk Chuck. Hey, thanks for having me again, Josh. Guys, you can catch me on the Twitter streets at Jayhawk Chalk. Uh, we can we can debate about receivers and quarterbacks and whatever else you Break want to talk age. about. <laughs> Break, breakout age, all those stupid like metrics that some people care about and some people don't. Um, but yeah, so Jayhawk Chalk, uh, check out the work at Full Press Coverage at Washington, and I'll see you guys next time. I saw someone today. I forgot who it was. I meant to tell you, Nate. Their breakout age was like 17 and a half. I'll have to look up in my Brian. Well, today. Brian Edwards uh, has like the lowest. It, Brian Edwards from last year on the Raiders. And then uh, Rondell Moore has an 18 I age think it's breakout. Ron, yeah, Rondell's I mean, really young. That's what it was. Uh, it's amazing. There's never been someone do what he's done at his age. I mean, I could I could wax poetic about Rondell Moore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate to say it, Josh. I'm gonna hurt your feelings. I like Rondell Moore more than Waddle. I I don't I, care. I, he's I, awesome. Man. He's I, awesome. I love him. I mean, Waddle's gonna get drafted way earlier, and and he'll be awesome. I don't think it'll yeah. be way. I think it's closer than people think. I think oh, we'll t- we'll talk about it. Yeah. Diamond, plug, plug yourself in. We can literally talk about wide receivers all day long, and I'll I'll I will stand Waddle and Devontae Smith till the day I die. Diamond, go ahead, bud. I'm on Twitter at Donnie Mac D O N N Y Mac. 98 uh you're going to catch me here working with these guys a lot more often looking to do some o-line breakdowns here soon of course my favorite position group um so yeah catch me on there donnie mac 98 yep d mac patty whack get your dog a bone he's gonna be doing some write-ups for us the website is going soon don't give me that look nate i just thought of that in the shower like an hour ago i was trying to think of good intros for everybody that's all i had we'll we'll edit that out before before nate Puts his picture up of Rondell Moore in the background. I'm going to head out. We will see y'all later on next week, and we will talk linebackers coming up. Peace. Maybe I got it all too fast too soon. Living life no fast, no rules. I've been trying to make it last, make it move. But I'm going to hop in this point and like a fool. Excuse me, I've been having a grateful I'm Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube.